0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Demarest, CPA with Parmels & Associates. So I don't think that you can watch any sort of news right now without people talking about inflation, but I think that this is something that a lot of people don't understand. So today we're going to get into inflation, what it is, what causes it, and then more importantly, what you should be doing in your business and in your life to kind of try and tackle this as much as possible. Before we get into that, though, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Can you really order the right tie rods in 40 seconds? Yes, you can. Discover no fret, no sweat ordering with Shopware. You'll wonder how you ever worked with a clunky menu within other automotive repair software. GetShopware.com As a shop owner, it's important to invest in the right tools to help your business grow. Repair Shop of Tomorrow, an endorsed NAPA Auto Care program, is committed to helping the whole shop reach its full potential. Please visit them at RepairShopOfTomorrow.com to get to, you know, a better understanding of this, we need to first talk about what is inflation. The dictionary definition of inflation is inflation is the decline of purchasing power of a given currency over time. A quantitative estimate of the rate at which the decline in purchasing power occurs can be reflected in the increase of an average price of a basket of selected goods and services within an economy over some period of time. The rise in prices, which is often expressed as a percentage, means that unit of currency effectively buys less than it did in prior periods. So what the hell does that mean, right? There's a lot of words here, but what are they really talking about? So essentially, when we talk about it, that first couple words is really all that you need to know about inflation. Inflation is the decline of purchasing power. And so almost never do we have what's called negative inflation, right? Negative inflation would mean that things are getting cheaper as we go through time. Very, very rarely happens. And if that is happening, it's not a good thing. It's actually a very bad thing, which we're not going to get into today. But inflation, you know, as we usually talk about it is every single year, whatever you buy gets more expensive. I think people are very, you know, you notice that whether you realize it or not. You know, back in the 60s, a Mustang was $2,000. What does $2,000 get you today? Probably doesn't even get you a non running Fox body nowadays. It gets you nothing. And so everything over a period of time is always going to become more and more expensive because a dollar today does not mean the same as a dollar next year or in five years or in 50 years. And so what is measured and what is reported a lot of time is, you know, the purchasing power or how quickly that is increasing or decreasing. So in real terms, right now, today, the inflation is at 8.6%. That was what they reported for May. Now, they should have June numbers out pretty soon, but that's expected to go up even more and be at around 8.8%. Now, to put this in terms, this is the highest that we have seen in over 40 years. Um, Even at 8.6%, that was the highest inflation since 1981. Generally, in a given year, inflation always hovers around two and a half to three percentage points. And we're going to get into this a little bit later, but whenever I talk about raising prices or raising labor rates, I always tell people, well, you need to raise your labor rates at least 3% every single year just to keep up with inflation. Now, I've been telling people you need to raise it 8 or 9% every single year just to keep up with inflation. Now, is this going to be here forever? I don't think so. If you look at charts, if you look at history of this stuff, inflation is not something that generally is at a heightened level like this and stays at this for a very long time. If inflation stays at this for a very long time, then again, we have another economic philosophy here of compound interest. So if you have this high inflation over a number of years, then it compounds on itself. Right. You know, a dollar today is going to cost us a dollar eight next year. And then that goes up by eight percent, then goes up by eight percent, that goes up by eight percent. And pretty soon after three years, we don't have an increase of eight percent. We have an increase of 30 or 40 percent, which is very, very bad. Now, what it's going to look like in the future is really, really hard to tell. Right. We don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't know what's going on and we don't know what all is causing this stuff. And so if we're using this 8.6% example here, what does that mean? And so that means that if something right now costs $100, then that same product in a year from now is going to cost $108.60 because this same dollar is going to become less valuable and it's going to take 8.6% more currency to buy this same thing right? And so this is when we're talking about what does inflation really mean? It means that the currency that you're using is actually getting devalued. So you need to have more of it to buy the same exact product. So as I talked about earlier here, you know, inflation is the average price increase of a basket of selected goods. What is a basket of selected goods? Is someone physically going out and putting stuff in a basket? Obviously, no, they're not. Inflation is calculated using something called the Consumer Price Index or CPI. And so where this basket of good comes in is that they have this uh, theoretical basket of goods of what the average consumer is buying on a day-to-day basis. You know, this is made up of a ton of things, but the largest piece of this is going to come for, uh, with associated housing costs. So this would be average rent rates. This would be mortgage costs. This would be um, property tax amount. This would be interest rates on mortgage, energy and utility, utilities associated with your home. Now, the reason why that this is the largest weighting in this basket is because generally that's a consumer's largest cost. You know, Housing or home-related costs are the majority of this, but there's a lot of other things that go into this consumer price index or the basket of good that's in this consumer price index. Some of these things are food costs, fuel costs, transportation costs like airline tickets, bus tickets, train tickets. Even costs like electronics and home furnishings are factored into the equation. Now, the tricky thing here when we're talking about inflation is just like anything in today's world. This inflation number, this inflation percentage, or even more specifically, this basket of goods is a very highly contested political topic. So as you can see, you know, as, as you've been looking in the news, inflation, depending on what side of your aisle, is going to be talked about a certain way, you know, and, and I really like to keep politics out of here, but we have to kind of talk about it because it's relevant to the facts of what we have going on right now. And so what you have is right now, obviously Joe Biden is president, right? It's the democratically controlled government, and they have a vested interest to try and have this inflation number be as low as possible, right? Because the higher the inflation number, the more people are going to get upset. The more people are going to kind of disapprove of what they're doing. Now, on the other hand, the Republicans have a huge argument here to try and say, well, the inflation number is actually much higher because the higher the inflation number, the worse that the, you know, in uh, the worst that the current administration is going to look and they'll be able to use that against them when we have midterms coming up here in November. Now, the thing that I often kind of, you know, laugh at about politics, I don't laugh. It's, it's really kind of sad is, you know, depending on which side of the aisle that you come from, people are always wishing on the downfall of the other one, you know, and someone put this into good terms runtime is if you're sitting here hoping that the current administration fails, it's like you're riding on an airplane and you don't like the pilot and you hope the pilot crashes. What people don't realize is if that administration fails, that means that our country is not doing well. And if you're still living in this country, that means that you're going to be negatively affected as well. right? But going back to how this is so political is that basket of goods that you know we use for the consumer price index in calculating inflation is not always the same basket of goods. Generally, this stuff and over the years and over the decades that this has been calculated, it has been changed. It has been tweaked. So what you have sometimes is you have replacement in there. Right. And so a great example of this that has always been you know, used in economics is let's say that inflation is skyrocketing right? And if you're looking at the consumer price index, maybe in the past, one of those things in a basket of goods was average beef prices or average steak prices. Sometimes when you see high inflation, you have what's called replacement. And so essentially they build into the um, inflation numbers. They say, Hey, if steak prices are going up 25%, instead of using that 25% increase to factor in the average inflation, what we're going to do is we're going to replace that with chicken. Because then natural consumer is going to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to spend $30 on a steak. Instead, I'm going to go and I'm going to replace that with something cheaper, like chicken or pork. Right. And so obviously you can see that there could be some gaming of the system here because you could say, All right, well, let's take this out of the basket. Let's put this in a basket. And you can kind of cherry pick on this because if there's certain things that have increased or skyrocketed in value, Then depending on who you are, you have a vested interest to try and include that or to try and not include that. Another thing that happens here is there's different weighting associated with this, right? So the largest piece of this comes from the housing side of things, right? Mortgage costs, rent costs, associated utilities that go along with a house, But the specific percentage and specific weighting is never really public information, but we know that that does shift around. Based on what consumer spending is doing, based on what the current climate is and how they think the average consumer is acting, the weighting can kind of get uh, differently allocated and again can kind of increase that number up or down. Now, if you go online, you can look up this stuff. And what people say is there's something called a true inflation number, or the real inflation number. What the real inflation number is essentially saying, hey, instead of changing around this basket of goods and changing around this weighting, we're going to use one set metric and one set basket of goods and measure that over the years. Now, if you look at that true inflation or the quote-unquote real inflation number, that's always going to be much higher than what this stated inflation number is. Again, remember, this is very political, right? This The government is calculating these numbers, and so no matter who is in office and who is in the administration – they're going to have a vested interest to keep that inflation number low. And so this has been happening. This is not a Joe Biden problem. This is not a Democrat problem. This happens with every single administration. I don't care who you are because no one wants things to become more expensive. right? People care about a lot of things, but money is usually people's number one focus. And if people even feel like they have more money, they're not going to be happy. Even if they are spending more money, but they don't think that they are, People are going to be happy and people are going to be upbeat about this stuff. So like I said, this is not a new phenomenon. This is not a new problem. We've seen this over the years and we've seen this in the past. But I want to kind of break down of why is inflation so high right now? And really, there is a lot of arguments on why this is happening. And again, largely based on which side of the political aisle that the person is coming from on where their argument I do not think that there is one real answer here because there is a number of things going on. Um, You know, when I went to college, I studied economics. So this is right in my wheelhouse. And I read a lot about this, right? As you can tell, I'm an accountant. I like numbers. And this stuff kind of fascinates me because some of the things that you see that are going on in real life are really back to basic economics on why some of this stuff is happening. When you started in this business, Did you really think that cars would be driving themselves? And that people would be buying cars online without test driving them? I don't think any of us did, yet that's exactly what is going on. On the repair side, the auto industry is changing fast. Customers expect quick answers and proof that they need the repairs that you recommend. They want to pay you while buying a coffee, then rate you on Yelp after picking up their keys. So why stay in the past? A shop owner named Carolyn asked herself the same question, so she created an online shop management system that automates the stuff you do over and over again. She and her team added texting in every step in the process from booking your appointment to posting that stellar review. They learn from their customers just like you learn from yours, and it's the system that's leading the industry into a bright future. Find out more about this and other things at GetShopware.com. As a shop owner, it's important to invest in the right tools to help your business grow. Repair Shop of Tomorrow, an endorsed Napa Auto Care coaching and marketing program, is committed to helping the whole shop reach its full potential by utilizing their industry-leading learning management system. Repair Shop of Tomorrow have produced over 50 learning modules to provide continuing education for shop owners, service advisors, and technicians. Their learning management system allows all employees to learn exactly what the owner is learning on their own time. Training modules such as Repair Order Workflow, Advisor Huddle, Business Flowchart, and Driving Profitability helps ensure everyone in the shop knows what the right looks like and understand their responsibilities inside the organization. When the team is all operating with the same playbook, the results are remarkable. For more information about their programs, please visit them at repairshopoftomorrow.com Now, the first thing, you know, that I want to mention is, you know, the government and the Federal Reserve came out and they said, you know, what we have to increase interest rates right now to try to curb inflation. And next week we're going to be diving into interest rates a little bit more, but what I'm trying to illustrate here is the Fed's fiscal policy dictates what inflation is whether it goes up or down. There's really two big pieces here that we're going to touch on. The one of these is going to be the supply side, you know, creating money, printing money, putting money into circulation. And then the other thing is going to be the Federal Reserve with interest rates and what they're doing, uh, you know, with the bond market and stuff like that. So the big thing here that we need to think about is, you know, we're going on a little bit two, two two and a half years, you know, of the pandemic or when a pandemic first started. One of the large reasons why we have inflation so high has to do with a very simple thing, which is supply and demand, right? If you have one of something, that is going to be very, very valuable. Now, what if you have a million of those? Does the value go up or down? Obviously, it goes down, right? So let's say that there is only one Toyota Corolla out there. Right. That could be a very sought after commodity because people are saying, oh, my God, there's only one of these. I need to have it. I love it. Now, what if there's 50 million of those? Right. The price of those is going to go down significantly because there's not going to be bidding wars. Right. There's tons of these. I don't need to overpay for that one. I'll just go buy another one. And we're already seeing that. Right. So, you know, let's take it back into what we're talking about fiscal policy here. Right? We started during a pandemic, a lot of businesses shut down, closed, were in uh, you know, a lot of maybe stress, turmoil, and a lot of financial crunches here. And so what the government did is they came out with a lot of different programs. Right, We had the PPP program. We had the EIDL program on the business level of things. We have the employee retention tax credit. On the personal level, we had extended unemployment benefits. We had stimulus payments. All of these things were the government paying out money to businesses and individuals. Now, when you think about it here, the government is not a business. The government does not generate income. The government, you know, takes money from other people and gives it back out. But in a situation like this, where did that money come from? A lot of this was printed, right? When I say printed, it's not in the literal sense that they're going out and they're printing dollar bills. Um, you know, as a quick aside here, I think less than 10% of the United States currency that is quote unquote out there is actually in physical dollar bills. Most of this stuff is just as real as Bitcoin and just as real as any other electronic transaction. It just exists because we say that it exists. But, you know, over the millions and billions and arguably trillions of dollars that were put into circulation over the last two years to prop up the economy and try to avoid a large recession here, that obviously increased the monetary supply of the U.S. dollar. Just like that Toyota Camry example, if there is more U.S. dollars in circulation, it becomes less sought after, it becomes less valuable, and what you will see is it takes more dollars to buy the same amount of things. Exactly what we're seeing right now. Now, that supply and demand stuff, you know, is also a huge example of this as well. You know, let's take a couple of different looks at some different industries that have been largely affected by this. One of the things that is very close to this industry is going to be the new car and the used car market. We've seen skyrocketing prices, and let's start with the new car side of things. In the past, has anyone ever paid sticker price for a car? No. The sticker price of the MSRP was just a number that was thrown out there, but these manufacturers and you know the OEMs were always discounting that. If you had a truck that the MSRP was $80,000, no one was paying more than $70,000 or $75,000 for that. Everyone was getting below sticker. Why? Look at the supply and demand. When you were getting below sticker on that, you went to a car lot that had hundreds of vehicles, right? And if you're looking for GMC 2500, There was thirty of them to choose from, right? And there was a lot out there, and so if there's a lot of supply on that, then obviously the demand is going to be lower, which means that the price is going to be lower. Now, flash forward to today, go to a new car lot. A lot of these are barren. There's nothing there. All of the cars are sold before they even hit the lot, and because of that, the supply is much lower. Which means that the prices are higher. and what we're seeing in today's market, it's not uncommon to see 10,000, 15,000, even 20,000 above MSRP. Now, I want to talk about that in a little bit more detail here on why this really scares me, is because people are paying 15,000 dollars above MSRP on these cars. People have never been paying more for new cars than they are right now. What happens when the economy turns down? What happens when the new car market starts to come back down to reality and you now owe $80,000 on a truck that you can buy new for $65,000? People are going to start walking away from cars just like they did for houses. Maybe not. Maybe I'm being a little bit catastrophic about it. But we have a very weird situation going on here. Again, you know, if we go back to the cars, the new, mark, the new car market has started to affect the used car market. And so since there is less new cars to sell, it has not only driven up the prices, but it also has decreased the amount of transactions that the average dealer is doing. And what happens when new car dealers are selling less cars, it means that they're getting less trade-ins. And if they're getting less trade-ins, that means that the used car market now has a supply side issue. There's less and less used cars out there, which means that the used cars out there right now are fetching a premium. Go out and look at the price of a Chevrolet Suburban in your area. This might shock you, but you can get a 2022, a brand new one, for a lot of times less than what they're selling a used 2021 for. Why? Because there's nothing out there, right? That is what the market is dictating, and people are buying $85,000 Suburbans that are one year old because you just can't get a new one. They don't exist. Now, why is this stuff happening? You know, the supply side on this is largely based on what we're again seeing with COVID, right? We had plants that were shut down. We had, uh, you know, global supply chain issues with shipping, uh, with boats, with uh, different things with ports, right? You probably saw, and there was a lot of stuff on the news, especially related to auto repair, that the port at Oakland was severely backed up. And there was just cargo ships out there just idling, waiting to come in there because they did not have the people in the port to physically unload this stuff. Also, a lot of our goods and pieces that go into manufacture are coming from China. Again, we have a lot of supply side interruption, right? There were whole lots of cars and trucks that are sitting there waiting for chips. And even right now, people are getting trucks delivered without certain features because the chips just do not exist. And so there's very real issues that are causing the supply side that are also increasing the prices, Now, that was just one example. One of the first things that we saw early on in COVID was the building supply industry, the wood industry. We saw the price of a piece of plywood go from $20 to $60, completely outrageous increases in prices, you know, 300%. Why did that happen? Again, a lot of this is caused by the supply side. A lot of our stuff comes from Canada, some of the processing plants, some of the factories, some of the um, you know, forestry industry, because of COVID was not able to uh, produce this stuff, was not able to cut down the trees, which again, decreased the supply, increased the prices. Now, both of these situations, if you want to look at it, you can make this as, as simple as you want to be. Hey, Hunt, there's a supply side issue, right? There's not a supply, so prices go up. But there's probably more to this. Because if you look at the stock market, if you look at consumer, or if you look at corporate profits here, we haven't seen corporate prices fall, right? 4GM, all of those people have been posting pretty decent numbers here, which says to me, you know what? We don't actually have a major issue. These companies, these manufacturers aren't really panicking about this. Because just like your business right now, you can decrease your sales as long as you increase your profit margins enough, you can make about the same amount of money, right? So let's use this for example of a Ford F-150. Let's say that in the past, Ford was making $2,000 per truck. And let's say right now they're making $10,000 per truck because they're allowed to charge a premium for it. That means that right now they can sell one truck to make $10,000, where in the past they had to sell five trucks to make that same amount of money. And so in some of these industry, and I've talked to car dealers about this, they don't think that this might ever go back to the days where you see hundreds of cars on a lot. It just doesn't make financial sense for some of these businesses anymore. And now they've trained the consumer to be okay with it as well. right? People have more or less just accepted the notion that, hey, things are more expensive and this is the way it's going to be. Is it going to stay like this forever? I don't think so, right? I think people are going to get fed up with it. I think that at some point, the economy is going to come back down to reality and people aren't going to be able to afford to pay these prices. So it will come back down. But is it going to ever go back to as cheap as it was before? Probably not, right? Let's use your business, for example. If you're going to be raising your prices to offset some of the inflation, when inflation goes back down, are you going to lower your uh, labor rate? Probably not because some of the other costs associated with your business are not going to go down as well. If you give your employees a raise, when inflation comes back down, are you can say, well, you know what? Instead of making 35 bucks an hour flat rate, inflation's kind of come down, so I'm only going to pay you $33. No. These larger businesses, these larger industries are going to be the exact same way, right? Hey, they might bring down some stuff that was a bit of a temporary increase, but some of these increases are here to stay. One of the last, you know, reasons here that we do have some of these issue is also, you know, we almost have World War III going on in Ukraine with Russia. You know, it's kind of sad that we live in a world that I guess it's been going on about four months now and people are almost just immune to it. Right. These last two and a half years have just been such a crazy roller coaster of all kinds of things that no one could have ever imagined. I feel like the general American is just kind of jaded now of just what's next, right? When is this ever going to be, you know, back to what we call quote unquote normal or or some sort of sense of stability here. But obviously, you know, the issues going on in Ukraine and Russia have had a global impact on stuff. You know, now the United States might not be as dependent on Ukraine and Russia for, you know, their oil supplies, but there's a lot of other stuff that we get that are kind of being counteracted by this or being affected by this. One of these big things is that while we might not have as much of a reliance on Russian oil and Russian petroleum, almost all of Europe is, you know, that's going to be their number one purchaser of petroleum. And if they can no longer buy Russian petroleum or at a limited amount Again, just like we talked about before, supply and demand, what we've seen is not only our gas prices go up, but also European gas prices. And we talk about gas prices, this is not just passenger cars, this is trains, this is planes, this is trucks. And if we have increased transportation costs, increased shipping costs, then that's going to be translated down into consumer goods and ultimately to the United States consumer. We live in such a global market right now that anything going on with the world, as long as it's big enough, you know, international player is going to have kind of a ricochet effect on everyone else in the world, which is exactly what we're seeing right now. So to kind of wrap up why we're seeing inflation so high, it's very hard to say, hey, this is the exact reason. But there's a lot of things going on here that are having a negative effect and that are making things more expensive to us. To you, to your business, to your employees, and to your customers as well. Now that we kind of understand what is inflation and why is it so high right now, let's talk about real actionable items of what you should be doing in your business right now. One of the things that I've been telling people is, you know, this is as bad as you want it to be, right? You can look at the bad side, you can look at the good side, but realistically, we have to look at this from an objective viewpoint. And one of the positives that has come out of this and come out of, you know, uh, the news and everyone talking about this so much is that consumers are not surprised when they're paying more for any item right now. Right. In the past, you probably had a customer probably was not a good customer if they're asking you this of saying, hey, you know what? I came in to get my breaks done. You charged me four hundred bucks. I just had them done two years ago and you guys only charged me three hundred dollars. Why have your prices went up so much? I would have to imagine that right now in your shop, you probably do not have a lot of these arguments because when consumers are going out to buy something, they're just automatically expecting it to cost more. Everything in our life is getting more expensive. Your business is no different. People are not going to be surprised by the increases. So what you need to be doing is you need to be raising your prices right now. This is not predatory. This is not, hey, you're just, you know, gouging people when they need you the most. No, this is to keep up with inflation. This is to make sure that you take care of yourself, your business, and your employees as well. Now, the two biggest thing for a shop is going to be parts and labor, right? The good news is you don't really need to do anything on your parts pricing. Why? Because you should be using a parts matrix, and parts matrix means that it's going to mark up your parts based on your cost. And so what we're actually seeing in today is if the price of parts going up and you keep your parts gross profit percentage the same, you're actually going to end up making more money. So inflation is actually helping you on the part side of things. So I'll give you an example on this. Let's say that you have a part that costs $50. If that part costs $50 and you're using a 50% gross profit on that, that means that you're going to sell that part for $100. So at 50% gross profit, you bought it for 50, you're selling it to a customer for 100. You're going to make $50 in gross profit. Now, let's see, let's say that we have, you know, the inflation and the price increases like we're talking about right now. That same part is going to cost you $75. If you keep your gross profit percentage the same at 50%, that means that that $75 part, you're going to sell for $150 you're now making $75 in gross profit. So even though that part cost you $25 more, you're actually gonna end up making $25 more, right? So first example, it called part cost 50, I'm making 50 bucks. With inflation now, I'm selling it for 150, I'm paying 75. I'm making $75 gross profit compared to $50 gross profit. Only thing that you need to do on your part side of things is you need to make sure that you are maintaining your gross profit percentage. If you're maintaining your gross profit percentage and your costs are going up, it means your gross profit dollars are going up as well. So we're okay on the part side of things as long as you maintain those percentages. However, labor is the exact opposite. Labor rate is just a set number. Right. Most people, if we're ignoring a labor matrix or anything like that, you essentially have two pieces to your labor um, sales or you know, what you're selling it to consumers. You have your labor rate and you have your book time or however many hours you're charging on this. When we see inflation, inflation is not going to affect our book time. Right. Just because inflation is going up, just because costs are going up does not mean that that break job used to call for two hours. Now it's calling for three hours. That two hours is going to remain exactly the same. Again, your labor rate is something that you just set. So if inflation is going up and you don't do anything to your labor rates, you're going to be selling that job for the exact same amount. Now, we know that inflation is at 8 or maybe even closer to 9% right now. What does that mean that you need to do to your labor rates? That means that you need to be going up at least 8 to 9% over an annual basis just to keep up with inflation. Remember what I talked about before when I put this inflation into real numbers, a dollar today is really going to cost you about a dollar and eight cents next year just to keep up with inflation, just to buy the same exact thing. Your labor rate can be looked at the exact same way. What I want you to do is I want you to think about or look up what was your labor rate this time last year, right? So if you're listening to this when it's released, we're looking at the middle of the end of July, What was your labor rate at the end of July of 2021? And you need to see that, or you need to make sure that your labor rate today is at least eight or 9% higher than it was that same time last year. An easy way to do this is if you have your labor rate as it was in July of 2021, multiply that times 1.08, that's going to come up to what your labor rate needs to be just to keep up with inflation. So if you were at $100 in July of 2021, you need to be at $108 right now just to make the same amount of money. And again, you might be thinking, Hunt, why would that be the same amount of money? I'm actually making more money. No, because remember, our gross profit dollars allow us to pay our overall fixed expenses and to take money out in the form of profit inflation is affecting everything that's going on in your business. Insurance rates are going up. Utility rates are going up. Advertising costs are going up. Um, You know, everything related to your business is becoming more expensive. So if your expenses are becoming more, that's why your gross profit has to be higher. Now, if we look at this even further, right, some of this money is money that you're taking out to spend personally to pay your own personal bills or personal expenses, All of those expenses have gotten higher, so you need more money to pay the same exact bills. So to kind of reiterate this on your labor rate, you need to be at at least 8% up from one year ago just to make the same amount of money. If you want to actually make more money, if you actually want to truly raise your prices above inflation, you're going to have to be at 10 15% higher than last year. Most people are already doing this. If you're sitting here saying, Hunt, I haven't increased my prices in two years, then I should reach through this microphone and smack you because you're missing out. All of your other competitors, all of your other you know, uh, people in this industry are already doing this or the good ones are already doing this. Now, one last thing about raising prices, specifically raising your labor prices or your labor rate, is a lot of people used to do this on an annual basis right? Inflation generally for the last, you know, probably 10 years before this averaged around two and a half to 3%, not a very large increase. And a lot of people would increase that once a year, maybe twice a year, right? Maybe they increase at 1.5% in June and then another 1.5% in December gets them at that 3% increase for the year. They're keeping up with inflation and they're happy. Now that inflation is almost at the double digits though, I think it's so high that you should not be doing this, um, you know, that spread out. Instead of increasing your labor rate 10% one time a year, why not raise it 2.5% every single quarter? What will happen there is you're actually going to be making more money every single quarter instead of raising at one time and only making more money from that point going forward. So again, I want to give you an example here so that you can really fully understand this. Let's say that we come into the year and we're at $100. I know that by January 1st of 2023, I need to be at $108 just to make the same amount of money just to keep off inflation. What if I just raise it, you know, January 1st, 2023? I don't do any changes in 2022. I'm going to be selling all of my work for 100 $100. And then January 1st of 2023, I'm now at $108 an hour. And from that point forward, I'm going to start making more money. Now, what I advocate people to do is instead of increasing that once a large amount, you know, one time a year is increase that $2 every single quarter. That means that after the first quarter, I'm going to be at $102 an hour. After the second quarter, I'm going to be at $104 an hour. After the third quarter, I'm going to be at $106. And after the fourth quarter, I'm going to be at $108. At the end of the day, January 1st of 2023, I'm going to be at the same exact labor rate. But you can see that if I do this more periodically throughout the year, I'm going to be making more money throughout the year versus only one time and going forward. I have a lot of people that are now doing this maybe 75 cents a month or a dollar um, you know, every two months. Whatever it is, come up with what you want your goal to be this time next year, and then sit out a schedule on what you're going to be doing to raise your labor rates. Now, last thing here before we talk about, you know, some other things that you need to be doing in your business is keep in mind here, if you're raising your labor rate, depending on your shop management software, you also need to be going in there and updating your canned jobs. Because if you're not updating your canned jobs, especially if you use a lot of canned jobs, then yeah, your labor rate might be higher, but you're still not making any more money, you know, for a lot of what you do. Next thing here that I want to talk about is, you know, giving your employees more money on this, right? So if you are being affected eight or nine percent, which is why you're raising your business's prices to offset this, your employees have their own business. They are their own business. They work from you, you're their sole source of income. And they have bills that they need to pay. So if you do not give your employees any sort of raises, they are going to have less money to be able to pay their bills because everything is costing them more. So if your costs are going up by eight or 9%, so are your employees. And that should be a target to give your employees more money. Another thing to think about here is the labor market for technicians specifically has never been more competitive right and right now everyone is having a crunch in a wallet the last thing that you can afford to do is lose one of your good technicians to your competitor make sure that you're paying your employees enough make sure that you're giving them raises and sometimes you need to be doing this more frequently throughout the year i was talking to a shop the other day and he came up with a really good idea what he does is you know he looks at the inflation numbers every single year and just like what he does with his labor rate, instead of having it one time throughout the year, he actually gives his employees a small raise every single quarter so that by the end of the year, they're making more money instead of just having one major increase from his employees' pay on January 1st. Now, what he did this year since the inflation was going up so high and gas prices are so crazy high right now is instead of you know ramping it up slowly throughout the year, in the first quarter, he just gave all the employees what they would ultimately have usually been making by December upfront. That was his way to kind of get his employees more money, to kind of help offset some of their increased expenses that they have, offset some of their fuel costs that they're experiencing, and to make sure that overall his employees were taken care of and the employees were happy. Right? Sometimes people get so focused on attracting new talent that they miss the talent they already have in their building, right? hey, it's great that you went out there and you got a new technician, but what if you lost one of your current technician? You are no further ahead. right? So first and foremost, take care of the people that you have. Make sure that they're energized. Make sure that they're motivated. Make sure that they're getting paid fairly. And if you're maximizing that, you're going to have a much, much more successful business than the person down the street with a revolving door of people coming, people going, people leaving, people staying. So, the last thing that I want to talk about here is paying down debt and also a quick kind of talk about how inflation and interest rates go hand in hand. You know, this week, you know, we're kind of doing our economics or, you know, some of this monetary policy 101 about inflation. Next week, I'm going to talk about uh, interest rates, what they are, where they're going, how that affects your business, how that affects your personal life. And again, what you should be doing to kind of offset this, but where I want to talk about inflation right now is as it relates to interest rates, right? So why does interest rates and inflation need to be taken into consideration and the relationship between the two? So the reason that this needs to be taken into consideration is if everything is getting more expensive, then that makes financing stuff a little bit more attractive. Well, Hunt, what the heck do you mean by that? So essentially, you can either use your cash right now or you can use your, the bank's cash and keep your money. Now, why would inflation make any difference there? So I'll give you an example. Let's say that you're going to go out and you're going to say, hey, I want to buy something for $10,000. You can use your own cash and you just lost $10,000. But you could also go out and you could use the bank's money and you could pay them back over the next five years. If you remember, inflation is actually the devaluing of currency over time. And so over time, if inflation is going up, you still owe that bank you know, $10,000, but it's actually going to become relatively cheaper to pay that back because money is becoming less and less valuable as inflation goes up. Now, the reason or what we have to offset that is interest rates, right? Time value of money. People would rather have money now versus in five years. And so what the banks do is the banks come out and they say, well, in order to use our money, you need to pay us 5% interest on this. Now, if they're asking 5% interest and inflation is at 8 or 9%, then we actually have a positive arbitrage there. And it's actually cheaper to finance money than it is to use their own cash. Now, what am I saying is not, hey, don't pay for anything in cash, finance everything on it. But it's something that needs to be taken into consideration, right? If inflation is going up this much, then maybe it makes sense to leverage a little bit more of these interest rates when they're at a lower amount versus trying to pay them off when inflation is so high. Another thing to think about right now is what's going on with mortgage rates. Right? Mortgage rates are directly probably the biggest market that people talk about. Right now, mortgage rates, the average mortgage rate is is about 6% for a house. Flashback to January 1st of this year is about half that. It's right around 3%. So, what we're starting to see is we're starting to see interest rates really climbing here as well as inflation climbing right cuz they need to go hand in hand right interest rates are going to be directly related to inflation because if inflation are going up the banks are going to want more money to be able to hold that or for the opportunity for you to use their money now a little bit longer term perspective on here is if we go back and we take a look at what history has taught us in the past it kind of gives us a guide of what it's going to look like for the future now one of the scary things that i want to leave with you is remember one of the first things that I talked about. Inflation for May was at 8.6%. That was the highest inflation that we've seen since 1981. And again, remember I told you that the average personal mortgage right now is at about 6%. In 1981, the average mortgage rate was around 18%. Right. And that was that spiked in 1981. That was the highest it was ever been during, you know, the early to mid 80s. It was in the mid teens. And then towards the end of it, it was down, you know, in the low teens, 10% or so. Now, the scary thing right now is, like I said, mortgage rates are at 6%. Do you think that that's going to go up or do you think that that's going to go down here in the next year or two? Everyone's going to argue that the rates are going to go up. They're going to continue to go up. What happens when interest rates go up? If interest rates go up, housing prices go down. Housing prices is one of the largest dictators of what our economy and what our markets are doing. Flashback to 2007, 2008, when we had a housing crisis, we in the housing bubble was not related to really interest rates anything then. But if you remember back what happened when housing prices fall, hey, that house that you just paid 1.2 million, that's really only now worth 600,000, but you still owe a million bucks on it. We're going to see people walking away from that. And what happens when we see people walking away from houses? The overall housing prices go down even more. And what we have is we have a recession. Arguably right now, we are probably in a recession. But again, a recession is a very political thing, right? There's actually a definition on how you can define if we are in a recession or not. Officially by the government standard, we are not currently in a recession, but everything else kind of looks and smells like we are. If it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it probably is a duck. And so what am I telling you to kind of wrap all of this up? I'm telling you that sooner rather than later, we are going to be in probably at least a couple months of some pretty dark times, right? This economy can only hang on so long and we have all of the death tolls of what we see as a very bad turn here and it's probably coming sooner rather than later. What I tell a lot of my clients, and I probably talked about this on earlier episodes here, is like I said, we're sitting here in July. The government is trying their best to prop this up until November because November we have a lot of midterm elections. And so the current people in office or the current people, no matter what side of the aisle that they're sitting on, have invested interest to kind of prop this up until November because they don't want to be blamed for a bad economy. Now, realistically, from what I've been seeing and what I've been reading and some of the charts I've been looking at, I don't think that they'll be able to prop this up into November in a larger scale. I think that this could come sooner and we could see a very sharp downturn in the economy. Now, not to kind of, you know, put all doom and gloom here of saying, Hunt, well, thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks for recording this episode to kind of, you know, crush my dreams or crush my hopes here. One of the things that you gotta realize here, for those of you that were in business, you know, in the, uh, 2007, 2008, is the economy or bad market is not necessarily the worst thing. Arguably, it can be a pretty good thing for the aftermarket uh, repair industry. Why? Because if the economy is bad, if people are tight on money, then are they gonna fix their used car or are they gonna trade it and then go buy a new one? They're gonna fix the car that they have. We're already seeing some of that now just because of the new car prices skyrocketing so much. So sometimes when the economy is too good, and some of you guys might experience this, people are saying, well, I'm not even gonna spend 1,500 bucks on this. I'm just gonna trade it and I'll go get a new one. But when the economy kind of goes down and things get tight, people are gonna try and fix and gonna try and keep their car on the road longer, which means that you're gonna make more money. So in summary, what you need to be doing right now Raise your labor rates, raise your prices, right? Take care of your employee, take care of your team. Think about if you really need to be paying down debt or if it's better to keep that debt because inflation is getting higher. And at the end of the day, like I said, I think that we're in for dark days here in the coming months or coming year. If I had a crystal ball, I'd make a lot more money and be able to exactly predict when it is. But the biggest thing that you should be doing here is maintaining your cash, maintaining your reserves. Because if there is a turndown, just like what we saw when COVID happens, profits can dry up at a blink of an eye, right? But if you have the cash, if you have the reserves, if you have the capital to be able to weather the storm and get out to the other side, there could be some really good times. And again, a booming time for you to have a repair shop and to make this money back. So make sure that you're being conservative on this stuff. Make sure that you're being forward-thinking. Make sure that you're having the worst-case scenario and all kinds of different scenarios in your head so you don't get caught surprised or in a bad position. I hope that this was informative for you. This was probably way more than you ever wanted to learn about inflation, but I hope this was helpful. Please share this with friends. If you have other friends that are self-employed, other friends that own a shop, this is really good information to get out there even if they don't own a shop, but are under, they want to understand a little bit more about what we see going on in our economy, then I would really appreciate you sharing this with them. Again, like I mentioned before, next week, we're going to kind of go into interest rates, business, personal, and what you need to be doing. But if you have any comments, ideas, or want to be on a future episode, please shoot me an email at podcast at So thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening apps. So until next time, thank you for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe, and I will talk to you next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for Advancing the Aftermarket.